The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Lift up your eyes from where you stand, and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give you to you and all your offspring forever. I will make you and your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. No man had a crisis of belief. No man that at the age of 75 was called from a worshiping pagan gods to go follow a God he'd never heard of before. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will make your name great. He somehow has some crisis of belief and says, Lord, how can you make my name great? What kind of reward can you give me? I don't, my wife Sarai is, is barren and, and, and my servant Eleazar is going to be able to be my heir. And God comes to him and text says, took him outside. Must have been in his tent talking to God in the middle of the night. Anybody ever done that? And the text says he took him outside and, and, and showed him the stars. He says, I want you to count those if you can. So shall your offspring And then we have one of the most crucial passages in all of God's Word. It's Genesis 15, 6. One of the most crucial passages in all of God's Word. After, after God said, look up here and you count these if you can, so shall your offspring be, even though you're an old man, even though your wife is barren. So shall your offspring be. And the Bible says, Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord credited it to him. Older translations would say reckoned it to him as righteousness. In the midst of a series of messages on choices, I don't think I do any damage to that verse by being able to say, Abram chose to believe the Lord. God gave him a promise. Look up here. Count these stars if you can. So shall your offspring be. And Abram chose 
to believe the Lord. The Lord didn't hit him over the head with any kind of a holy baseball bat that made him all of a sudden believe God is not some puppeteer in, 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 in the heavens that, that somehow orchestrate our choices for us. Abram believed the Lord. Abram chose to believe the Lord. And the Lord counted it. The Lord counted it as righteousness. You take that verse out of the Bible, and we don't have a whole lot left. Much of the New Testament is built on that verse. Abram believed the Lord. Not believed in the Lord, believed the Lord. There's a lot of people believe in God today. There's a lot of people believe there is a God that somehow spun this world into existence. Statistics say 90% of the people believe that. But the issue is, do you take him at his word? The issue is, do you believe him? Do you believe the promise? God said it. God said it. God promised. And I believe. Romans chapter 4. We wouldn't even have a Romans chapter 4 if this Genesis 15 passages wasn't in there. Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, against all hope, Abram in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his face, he, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Abram chose to believe. The Bible says that's why it was credited to him as righteousness. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul could not have written the words in Ephesians chapter 2 when, when he says, for it is by grace you have been saved. It is, it is through faith, and that's... that's that is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no man could boast. Without, without going up and, and having Abram look at the stars and Abram choosing to believe, he could not have been able to write the next verse in Galatians as, as Paul did. Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted that as righteousness. The writer of the Hebrews says in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. That him probably should be a capital H there. <laughs> considered him who was faithful. And so from this one man... And, he, is, and his, he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sands on the seashore. Abram believed God. Abram chose to believe. I don't know what page that Genesis 15, verse 6 is in on your Bible, but uh, don't lose that page. It's a bedrock. It's the bedrock of our Christian faith. 
somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, you heard a Sunday school teacher. Somewhere along the line, you, your, your mother. Somewhere along the line, your father. Somewhere along the line, a, a, a preacher somewhere. Somewhere along the line, an evangelist somewhere. Somewhere along the line, someone came out and said something like, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Somewhere along the line, something like that happened to you and you believed. And you believed. Somewhere along the line, someone told an unbelievable story that God left his heavenly home, came to this earth in the form of a little baby, was born of a virgin, walked this earth for 30 plus years, lived a sinless life, carried his own cross to his death, died for not his sin, but died for our sin. And then the third day, he rose from the dead. Somewhere, someone told you that story, and you believed. And that belief has made all the difference in the world for you. Don't ever let anybody try to believe that, that they can argue you into the faith. Don't ever let anybody, no matter how good their apologetic material might be, that somehow they can rationally, from an intellectual way, argue into you in the faith. Even though there are marvelous intellectual reasons to believe into the existence of God and to believe in the authority of the Bible, when it comes, the push comes to shove, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it, when it, when it comes to the very end, you've got to take a statement of faith. You've got to take a step faith and you've got to be able to say i believe they spend 30 million dollars in northern kentucky to build a creation museum to try to win an argument they're never ever going to win i've been there i enjoyed it took the kids there it was great we'll probably go again hebrews eleven three says only by faith do you believe that the world was created at god's command you cannot with mathematical certainty prove the existence of God. You cannot with any mathematical certainty be able to prove the authority of this scripture. You cannot with mathematical certainty be able to prove that he turned water into wine. When push comes to shove, even though there are marvelous intellectual reasons to believe all of that, when push comes to shove, there comes a time when you must take a step of faith and you must say, I believe. If you could argue me into it, then you could argue me out of it. But you cannot argue me out of belief. And you can put a gun to my head and you pull the trigger and I will not recant. Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted that. The Lord counted that. As righteousness. We hear a lot of talk about belief in a saving way. Believe in Jesus. You accept Jesus. You receive Jesus. You believe Jesus died on the cross for you. We hear a lot of talk and a lot of preaching about belief in a, in a saving way. But, but the, the nature of my belief isn't diminished at all when I initially believe in Jesus at an altar of prayer or wherever that might have been for you. In fact, my believing just starts. God told Adam and Eve that, uh, you know, 
got, uh, got all these trees, but don't eat of this one tree. If you do, you will surely die. And it comes down into chapter 3, and the serpent comes and said, you know, the serpent does what only the serpent can do is lie. He says, you shall not surely die. And so Adam and Eve started, you know, well, it's, it, it, it is pleasing to the eye. Uh, it does look good for food. He did say it was a, it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It would probably make us wise. And they had a moment of unbelief where they leaned on their own understanding. And they didn't believe God. All sin, all sin is rooted in unbelief. All sin is rooted in unbelief. That wasn't an act of disobedience for our first parents. It was an act of unbelief. Well, it does look, it does look pretty. It, it is pleasing to the eye. I bet it is good to eat, and it will probably make me wise. God wants me to be wise. And they rationalized in their own mind. They leaned on their own understanding, and they did not take God at his word. They did not choose to believe God. All, all sin, all disobedience is at the very fundamental core, an act of unbelief. You believe in God. You believe in God. Good, James says. Devils believe. And they tremble. The question for me and the question for you is, do you believe him? Do you take him at his word? Are you a believer? Are you a believer? Are you a believer? When he says what he says about you. At a seminary president that says, you got to believe what the Bible says about you, no matter how good it is. Because the Bible says that me and you, we're the salt of the earth. You believe that? That'll change the way you live, friend. That'll change the way you walk into work tomorrow morning. If you believe that you're the salt of the earth, that'll change the way you walk around in your community. That'll change every single interaction you have with your neighbors. That'll change every single interaction you have with people that you work with. God says, and he asked me to believe it, God says that I am the salt of the earth, you are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. It's the way this whole Christian life works, friends. God speaks, we respond. The whole Christian life works that way. God speaks, we respond. God speaks, I believe. God promises, I have a choice on whether I'm going to believe or not. Do you, do you truly believe that you are a child of God? Oh, that's just, what really, that's just a little way that the writer used to express that. Or do you truly believe that you're a child, you are a son, or you are a daughter of Almighty God. The Bible says you have been adopted into his family. Now, let me tell you, I know what it's like to be a son of Clarence and Ann Atherton. I know the security that that gives me. I know the confidence that gives me. I know how I'm, how I'm fully confident of their love for me. In some greater way, the one that who is love is calling me his son, is calling you his 
daughter or his son. Do, are you a believer? Dr. Alan Coppage was my mentor at seminary, and he wrote me a note one day, and I don't have any clue what the note said. But I remember how he wrote it. You know, as Christians, sometimes we write uh, in Christ or some kind of spiritual salutation there at the end. And he wrote, living as a son. It was impactful on a young Christian. He wrote, living as a son. How would my life change if, I, if I'm a believer and I'm truly walking in belief that I'm a son of Almighty God, an heir of God, <laughs> an heir of God, and a joint heir with my brother, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, you talk about something hard to believe. Jesus is your brother. Do we believe? Do we believe? The Bible says that we should leave the elementary things of the faith. And, and, and the Bible talks about elementary things of the faith as, as just those first little things that you believe and that Jesus died on the cross for you. Not that they're insignificant or that you forget those, but, but you leave and go on to more deeper things of the faith is what the writer of the Hebrews says. You leave the elementary things and go on to the deep things of God's Word. And, and I just wonder if some of this stuff that God says about me do you know what God says about you if you're a Christian? <laughs> he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. <laughs> if you are in Christ, the old things have passed away. All things have become new. I, I have to ask myself, am I a believer? Do I take him at his word? Do I walk in confidence and victory? I like what Charles Wesley wrote in the old hymn, And Can It Be? Bold I approach the eternal throne. Wow. Can we have that much confidence? That on that day, on that day, when we see the eternal throne, whatever that is going to look like and however that is going to be, can we be anything like Charles Wesley said we could be? Bold, I approach the eternal throne to claim the crown through Christ, my own. That is a statement of bold, I approach the eternal throne because I've lived such a great life and I'm going to get what's coming to me. Bold, I approach the eternal throne to claim the crown through Christ my own. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I don't know who has the sweetest frame in here. The hymn writer said, don't trust it. We believe and have confidence. Are you a believer? Are you choosing to believe God? No matter what station in life you are at right now, do you believe that God will supply all your need?
Can I be honest with you? I may be the only single person in here. I struggle with that sometimes. I struggle with that. Several months ago, we got a phone call from Children's Services in Warren County. and Levi's little seven-month-old sister had come into care. We knew she would eventually. Mom and Dad couldn't take care of her. And they said, would you like her? Well, I immediately went into my intellectual mode. I'm 51. I'll be 69 by the time she graduates. There's just no way. How, how am I going to have a retirement? I, I want to travel. I want to have time for Sue and I. So we said no. And we rationalized it out, you know, seven months old. There are a lot of families, one little seven with those. She'll go to a great home. She'll go to a great home. A few months later, God moved on me. He said, Mark, are, are you more concerned with your comfort than making an impact in this world? When you get to the end of the way, Mark, are you going to be more concerned with your travels that you've made and your vacations that you've taken and the retirement that you've had and the fact that you can have an impact on another human being? I'm not sure at that moment I was living by faith. I was not sure, don't think I was believing that God would supply my needs, supply my, my desires. He was going to supply, I was going to have to supply by being able to make sure that, get my own retirement set up and make sure everything is right and the kids have graduated at the right time. And, and I was living by sight. Oh, that's pretty radical, Mark. Yeah, I think it's a pretty radical life, to be quite honest with you. If you're a believer. If you're a believer in the one who put the stars in space, I think it's a very radical life. I think God wanted me to come today. and For all of you that have believed in Jesus somewhere along the line, I'm asking you, are you believing all the things that happen after that? Are you taking him at his word? You know, I've noticed something about people, even Christian people, when it comes to death. I notice we don't like to use the word dead. Have you ever noticed that? We use pass on, passed away, gone on. Gone home. And all those are well and good. But if there's anybody that ought to be able to deal with the word death, it should be Christians. <laughs> if there's anyone that ought to be able to deal with the reality of death, it should be those of us who believe that the sting of death has been taken away for us. At that moment in life, when loved ones die, at that moment in life when we face those last days and those last hours, are we believers? Someone came up to me at my dad's funeral. He says, this is where we have to believe 
all that we've taught and preached all of our life. Shook his hand and said, this is when we have to believe all that we've taught and all that we've preached all our lives. Something happened to me that was very impactful for me about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, planning a church in Georgia and fellow pastor friend, his dad died in North Carolina. And I drove from Georgia to North Carolina for that funeral. And it was not a sudden death. Uh, it, was, it was expected. And uh, th- so, th- you know, there's natural grief at any funeral, but it wasn't to the grief that comes from a sudden type of death. And so we were gathering at a church similar to this, and we were all sitting in the pews waiting for the funeral to start. And, and I could tell that the first rows were vacant, and, of course, that was going to be uh, for the family. And all of a sudden, they started playing that old hymn, Living by Faith. And those two doors opened at the back, and the family processed in, singing, We're living by faith in Jesus above. Wow. Did that impact a young man, me, sitting right back there? That family, and the, and, and the son my pastor friend was the first one, and he was singing at the top of his lungs as those doors opened, almost like some type of wedding processional. And that family processed in. There must have been 30 or 40 of them. And they walked in. We're living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. Wow. That's what it's about. At the moment of death, the most difficult moment of our life. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. So I've just come to to ask you, are you choosing to believe? I don't know. I don't know what for. I don't know what's going on in your life. I have no clue. None of my my business. I've just come to ask you, Are you a believer? Are you taking him at his word? Are you standing on the promise? After Abraham, after Abram received the promise, told to look up into the stars, it was another probably 14 years to the sunrise. (laughs) 14 years. I don't know what God has promised you. I don't know what you've taken from the Word of God. You say, God, I'm standing on that. I don't know. You may be like some of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 that says they died before they received, before they saw what they were really hoping for. But if that happens to you, will you die? Clinging to that hope clinging to that belief that no one, that no intellectual, that nothing of the world can ever take from you. Are you a believer this morning? If you're struggling, maybe when it's a cloudless night, um, look up there and be reminded 
that God used that kind of example to help an old man who had a kind of a crisis of unbelief in his life. And maybe looking at the stars can help you hold on to whatever God has promised you. Can we stand together, please? Lord God, it seems like any way we, we, we shake this Christian life, it comes out belief. Belief in your son Jesus who died for us. Belief that you can turn us into the type of people that your word says we should be. Belief that you can sanctify us. Belief that you can turn us into holy people. Belief that we can have our minds renewed and you can take out that ungodly thinking and put in godly thinking. Belief that you will always be with us and you will never forsake us. God help us as we are people who want to live by sight. There's, there's something, Father, that you know it, that we want to live by sight. But help us to be people who honor you by living by faith. Help us be people who not only believe in you, but we choose to believe you. Choose to believe what you have said. Now with your heads bowed, I, I don't know if there's something you need to speak to the Father in response to this truth today. Uh, if he's nudged you on something, w would you talk to him right now, please? Father, we're, we're Christians, yes, but make us believers. Make us believers. In the name of the one you've asked us to believe in, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much.